Good morning, my friends, and welcome to another magnificent installment of Morning Reload. From high above all other puerile and insipid forms of Wyoming mainstream media, this is Cowboy State Politics. I, of course, am your illustrious host, David Iverson, firmly ensconced behind the silver Cowboy State Politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming. Good morning, my friends, and happy Monday. I trust that everybody had a fantastic weekend. Mine wasn't so bad, except, of course, that it rained the entire time. I don't want to hear another person say something dumb like, Oh, I know it's raining, but we sure need the moisture. It's been a really long time since we've had this much snow on the mountain and this much rain in the spring. At this rate, I probably won't get to my cabin until at least mid-June. Later on in the broadcast, I have an interview with Mr. and Mrs. Willie. That's the couple that's suing the Sweetwater County School District over the school's clandestine attempt to socially transition their daughter without their knowledge. But we begin with the Pravda on the Platte. of the West out of drought. Hmm. So much for this whole global warming business, eh? Or is it? And I quote, This winter brought bountiful and persistent snow from the Sierra Nevada to the Rocky Mountains, stranding residents in their homes while setting accumulation records and pulling a large swath of the region out of drought. The quantity of precipitation is impressive, but the fact that snow stuck around this late in the season is perhaps more rare, said Joseph Casola, the NOAA's Western Regional Climate Services director. And here's where they drop the hammer, my friends. Quote, with climate warming, the odds for such a long-lived anomaly of cold weather over a large area like the West, the odds for that just go down and down, Casola said. End quote. Now hold on just a second. I thought this whole thing was called climate change. You know, see, it was global warming many years ago, like when I was in school. It was global warming this, global warming that. That didn't exactly pan out the way that they had thought, so they changed it to climate change. That way it's sort of all-encompassing, and so if things start to get a little colder or a little warmer, they can just still claim that it's climate change. But it would appear that we're back to global warming, so says the Red Star. Their whole idea of global warming, climate change, global cooling, the ozone layer, all of it is a bunch of baloney. Now, the truth is that the climate does change and is changing, but not in the time frame that all of these tree-hugging eggheads are telling us that it does. They're all telling us that if we don't try to prevent the Earth increasing in temperature by one degree Celsius, then the Earth is going to be dead in 12 years, or whatever number they've picked this week. Reality couldn't be further from their claims. All the evidence they could ever possibly need to prove themselves wrong are the vast quantities of that black stuff that undergirds much of Wyoming. Actually, there are several varieties of that black stuff that prove that all of their claims wrong, but coal is entirely carbon. And what creates carbon? Dead stuff. Namely, huge amounts of plants. In other words, at one time, a huge swath of Wyoming was entirely covered by large quantities of vegetation, like a rainforest. 
And over the course of thousands of years, all of that vegetation got covered up, and then eventually the pressure turned all of that carbon into coal. But where did all of that vegetation go? Well, over hundreds of thousands of years, the climate changed, and now instead of living in a rainforest, we live in a subalpine desert. You see, the climate is cyclical. One year, you might have a really, really wet winter and a wet spring, like we're experiencing right now, and then the next couple of years, it might kind of dry out a little bit. But it all works in a cycle, and this whole idea of climate change is a bunch of bullcrap. And then there's this. Representative Cyrus Western, our pal, decided to hold a town hall in Ranchester on Saturday morning. Coffee and croissant. It didn't exactly pan out the way that good old Cyrus had planned. It would appear that he's irritated some of his constituents. And let's just say they showed up in droves. Evidently, the folks in House District 51 have been paying quite a bit of attention to what good old Cyrus has been up to lately. Here's a quick soundbite to show you how the morning went for Cyrus. The event was held in kind of a crowded place, so it's a little bit difficult to hear. But here's a soundbite from it. You voted against what? HB 66. I got it right here. Okay. Which year was that, Mom? This is 2023. This last session. Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised that didn't get passed. Everything that we've all gone through with COVID. She voted against prohibiting employee microchip implantation. What are you thinking? Because it's already against the law to do it in the first place. Uh, someone voted against it. That's the wind's blowing which way? I don't tell you, Bonnie. It's already illegal in the first place. Again, we had a bill that there's any requirements from the WHO that require Wyoming to follow anything regarding COVID 19. The bill, the World Health Organization, says they don't have any, they don't have any full force in effect. So, why didn't you do like you did with the other bills and not, not agree with that, but you didn't? You're talking about HB 66 from this year? Because the penalty... Well, I'm talking about... The penalty was throwing small business owners in jail. I'm talking oh, about what you did about vaccine mandates. You were there. You chose not to vote twice. You were hoping it didn't get to the floor, weren't you? I need to know exactly the bill. And you were hiding behind pillars. Your own record is doing that, Cyrus. I'm sorry. You tried to trick us, Cyrus. I've got it right here, bro. <laughs> I am so proud of those people. Well done. Well done indeed. There's lots more where that soundbite came from, and perhaps we'll play it on next Saturday's installment of Weekend Update, since I've already got this whole upcoming week planned out. Like Custer, walking into the Little Bighorn, Cyrus didn't know what was about to hit him. <laughs> Great. Well, let's take a quick profit timeout, and then we'll get to this morning's interview. Today's installment of Cowboy State Politics is brought to you by New Trend Hats. It's spring, and you probably need to buy yourself a new hat, I highly recommend that you take a look at New Trend Hats. They have a wide selection of hats for both men and women. They make those really cool hats with the ponytail hole on the back of them. Go take a look at their website, newtrendhats.com, and get you a hat just perfect for this upcoming spring and summer. If you've been thinking about a new building for your property, 
you should check out Morton Buildings. Their phone number is 307-674-2532, or you can just go to their website, mortonbuildings.com. Talk to Nick and Jesse and tell them what you've got planned, and they'll handle all the details. It doesn't really matter if it's a garage or a barn or a roping arena or maybe even a giant warehouse for your business. Morton Buildings can handle it all. They're the best at what they do, and they've been doing it longer than anybody else. So give them a call, 307-674-2532, or check them out on their website at mortonbuildings.com. And now, back to the program. As I've told you, there's a pending federal lawsuit against the Sweetwater County School District Number 2. It's being brought by Ashley and Sean Willie. The parents claim that the Sweetwater County School District clandestinely tried to socially transition their young daughter without their knowledge. This past Thursday, I had a chance to visit with the Willies and their attorney, Ernie Trakis. Here's our discussion. Joining me via Zoom is Ashley and Sean Willie. Um, you may have heard of them. They're the, the parents that are suing the Sweetwater County School District over treatment of their, of their daughter. Also joining us is their attorney, Ernie Trakis. Guys, welcome to Cowboy State Politics. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having us. I think where I'd like to begin is if you could just take a few minutes and tell everybody about yourselves. Um, well, <laughs> mom, dad, parent to six beautiful children, moved to Rock Springs so I could teach. I got a job teaching here in Rock Springs, and everything was going really good. I mean, we all loved it. I loved everything about it. And then uh, three quarters of the way through last year, I was at a training uh, district-wide. Well, it was district-wide, but it was something you could sign up for it. So it was something I, I specifically chose. And I was sitting at a table talking to a coworker, and there was some other people there. And it got brought up that they work at Blackview High School in Rock Springs. And I said, oh, do you know my daughter Aspen? And the young the lady said that she did. She loves Aspen. Aspen's such a sweet girl. And the gentleman sitting next to her, I said, do you, do you know Aspen too? And he said, I think so. And said Aspen in a, in a different a last name. And I said, nope, that's not her. And I, I had my planner that has pictures of my family all over it. And I pushed it towards him and pointed. And I said, this is, this is Aspen right here. And he looked very confused. And she sitting three feet away from me, if that covers her face and says it goes by Cooper. And, Whoa. um, wow. yeah, I, I said, no, no, she goes by Aspen. And so that night I went home, uh, told Sean, I left the meeting early. I left the training early, told Sean, we spoke with Aspen and I emailed the school right away. And I said, I'm appalled that you would do this, that you would hide it from us. I said, it stops now. I'm her mother. You don't have to agree with me, but that's just the way things are. Um, and so the principal emailed back that he, he was going to check with HR and he'd let me know. And I said, no, I'm her mom. That's all the directive you need. Um, so I'm going to take this as a, a direct denial to, you know, to, uh, follow my request and I'm going to go to HR myself. So then we did, we went and we tried to talk and handle it out and, and work through it that way. And, we thought we were getting somewhere and then this year, you know, things just got worse. The, the policy, what they're trying to call a policy came out. And as a, an employee in the district, they wanted me to sign. I was in the training saying, this is what we're expecting you to do. And 
So, yeah. So how long have they been referring to your daughter as Cooper? Uh, for three quarters of the school year last year. Um, yeah, I don't, I, Sean's worried about using the specific name, so I don't know about that, but, um, three quarters of the year for sure. Um, and then like, like your teacher in the school district. So yeah. is, is this a, like a, a district wide policy that, um, you're not supposed to tell parents if a child wants to be referred to by another name or another pronoun? Yeah. Down to kindergarten. Wow. If I can clarify that just for a minute. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. um, You know, I don't want to get confused. Some people connote policy with a formally adopted Board of Education, quote unquote, policy. We're not claiming that here. Um, I'll use the district term. And the term they've used is directive. But like a policy, it has been applied district wide and employees have been directed to um, implement it. So with that clarification, go ahead, Ashley. Yeah, they they did down to kindergarten. And when I brought my concerns and I told them, this is not something that I will do as uh, somebody who I, I won't lie. Um, I have my morals and I'm not going to lie to people, but also as somebody that this personally happened to, I'm not going to do that to other parents. So I'm, I did approach them and tell them that that was I was not going to be doing that. Well, and and that's just the thing. You know, we're we're kind of in this weird sort of place where, you know, parents apparently don't have any rights over their children. You know, I was just uh, reading an article the other day about uh, uh, Natrona County where they have this ridiculous uh, policy or directive or whatever we want to call it um, that. You know, if there's a pornographic book in the library that parents have to opt in or opt out. Well, how the heck is you you as a parent? I mean, how are you going to know what's in the library? Similarly, you know, when when your daughter's at school, what what are you to know what happens for eight hours out of the day? I mean, it's just it's absolutely bizarre to me. It is. The next question would be like after you told the school, no, we're not going to be doing that. You know, and I know I've used the audio from the school board meeting from last year several times on the program. So what, uh, I mean, did the school back off at all or did they just continue, you know, their directive? After we sat down and met with superintendent, superintendent and the principal and we explained all the, the backstory, Aspen was in counseling, Aspen has been going through therapy and they knew nothing about that. And what they had done is they undid all of that therapy that we had done for the previous year by allowing this, by enabling her without them knowing. And that's the biggest thing. They, they don't know what a child has gone through, what a child is doing. And so after our meeting, they, they both agreed with us verbally that they would communicate 100% moving forward with, with our daughter, that they wouldn't hide anything. If anything changed, they would let us know if she came back to them, a couple weeks later and said, I want to be referred to by this pronoun, by this name. Now, again, they said they would communicate with us and we were okay with that. And they said that they, they asked for the same courtesy that if our daughter comes home and tells us anything about what's going on at school or within her classrooms, that we communicate that with them as well. 
And we are 100% okay with that because that's something that's very important that everybody should should know, we should be on the same page. And like Ashley said, fast forward to the beginning of the school year when they rolled out this, this directive. directive, we went to, she went to the principal of the school and said, I just want to make sure our agreement still stands. We're on the same page. And they, we're going to be communicating. And he looked at her and said, if your daughter comes to me and wants me to lie to you, I will lie to you. Wow. And when I approached the superintendent, I'm asking her the same questions. She skirted around the issue. And I told her, I said, we agreed. You would communicate in regards to my child. And she just um, kept, well, this is what my notes say. And so then I, I took it. I Then I changed direction. I said, set aside the parental stuff, because obviously I'm going to have to take that further, how, whatever that means. I don't remember my exact wording for that. But um, so I said, set aside that. I said, as an employee in this district, I would like to know when you're going to hold a meeting and let parents know that you want us to lie to them. And she said, I, we're not asking you to lie and, and went on this whole thing and kind of read parts from the directive. And I said, I apologize for my wording. I would like to know when you're going to have a meeting and let parents know about this new policy. I called it a policy because that's what was relayed to me. And she told me that I was twisting her words and that she was going to end the call. Well, I think it was in that September article of last year, the one that was about uh, Sean's speech at the school board. The attorney for the district basically said that they have no intention of informing parents uh, about what's going on at school. And I I mean, I'm, I'm personally, I'm not a parent, so I, I find that pretty offensive. You know, we're kind of in this, as I said, we're kind of in this weird place where the schools think that they're the parent and, you know, to, uh, to heck what the parents say. Well, and Sean asked him in the board meeting, he asked him, since you're making this parental decision, are you going to, how did you word it? Asked him if they were going to provide support and counseling for these students. Yep. Because anybody in, in this realm that's dealing with this gender dysphoria, this, this problem, needs somebody to talk to, needs somebody to help them with it. Whether they're confused, whether they're dead set on this is who they are and how they're going to live their life, that that's fine. But they everybody needs help. Everybody needs counseling. And I asked them, since they're taking that ability away from parents to help their children, are they going to provide that assistance and not from a school counselor, but from somebody, somebody certified outside of the school in that particular subject. And they they told me multiple times, no, that we will absolutely not do that. That's not something we can do. Then, then why take that ability away from parents? Why drive that wedge between the family and not allow a parent to help their child? Yeah, that's just that's just absolutely unbelievable. Um, so, Ernie, a uh, question for you. Since you deal with these cases on a fairly regular basis. Is this a trend that you're seeing nationwide? David, I active cases right now in half a dozen states and more wanting representation every day. So this is clearly a nationwide, not just issue, but frankly, an agenda um, being adopted and implemented by K through 12 public school districts in every state. Well, and it's not just constrained to local school districts. Just yesterday, I published an undercover investigation I've been working on um, at the university. Obviously, different different circumstances, but right, it's very right. clear that people in education, both at the university level and at the local school district level, 
are very much pushing an agenda. I mean, it's not education-based. It's not even like psychology-based. It, it literally is an agenda. You're absolutely right. All right. So I, the more important question is, how's Aspen doing? She's struggling. This is hard for her. This is This is adults that she looked up to that were supposed to teach her and help her, encouraging her to lie to her parents. And like Sean said, driving a wedge. She's got us at home trying to help her. She's in, we've still got her in counseling, trying to, trying to find somebody outside of the home to help her. I mean, she's got, she's got support from all levels, but when these people going out of their way to still, um, I mean, she's, she's got kids and adults still going out of their way to continue on with this and to continue on with encouraging lies and deceit and, and driving this wedge. She is, really, really struggling. Have you thought about um, homeschooling her at all? Or is that is that even an option? Well, um, so just with me be teaching in the district, I'm not sure how I would. I, we've thought about a lot of things. Um, I, I don't know. It's very hard. We're talking to Ernie just this week about some different options. And I don't know what's going to happen. I just. Well, it's it's not a good situation all the way around. Before we started the interview, you had mentioned that there's this belief in Wyoming that, oh, you know, th this isn't happening in Wyoming. You know, there's nothing to see here. Pay no attention. And the truth is, there's this type of situation happening in multiple counties. Earlier this year, I did a, I did an episode on a uh, the school district in Cheyenne. They had asked, like, on the first day of school, what's your preferred pronoun? And the response I got was from... 22 out of 23 counties, parents contacted me saying that their children had been asked the, the exact same thing. So this is absolutely a statewide thing. It is. All right. So Ernie, what do you think the chances of this lawsuit succeeding are? Exceptional. I wouldn't be involved if I didn't think um, I had not just a pathway, but an expressway to victory. In fact, I can't wait to try this case. And I also want to just throw out a, a shout out to our local attorney, Hank Bailey, who I'm thrilled to work with. Um, I think he and I and the other folks with uh, CPRC, Child and Parental Rights Campaign, Mary <clears throat> McAllister and I and Hank, we will be successful. Excellent. Well, I, I, I hope that you are. You know, this is this is an issue that, you know, I didn't set out to be uh, to cover this one a lot. But it just seems parents and, well, not just parents, but everybody is being overwhelmed by um, this gender, I guess I would call it a gender ideology. And, That's you know, what it's, it is. I mean, it's, it's so important that we, that we fight against it. Yeah. I think, David, it's important, if you don't mind, just a couple of quick points. One, what we're seeing is public school districts are taking the position that children are mere creatures of the state. But the point is they have parents. And it's the parents who are re responsible for making decisions about what's in their child's best interest. The, the issue here in these cases, obviously, um, discordant gender identity or gender dysphoria has serious mental health implications. And as Sean indicated, the board president herself clearly confirmed that school personnel are neither competent, qualified, nor authorized to assist in that area. So the idea that they're providing services and counseling in there is, quite frankly, uh, absurd. 
And so, um, trust me, these school officials, they're going to own the harm they've caused. Well, guys, is there anything else you'd like to like to mention before I let you go? I, I, we appreciate you taking the time. This is, it's rough hearing everybody say their opinions and, and keeping quiet because I don't want to fight and I'm not going to change anybody's mind. Um, I mean, I don't want to fight with them. I'm, I'm in this fight until the end. I'm done playing nice, but she's my kid. She's our kid. She's, she's, we take care of her. This is this, it's not their place. It's not their place. The fact is, as a parent, you send your child to school to, to, to learn, to reading, writing, arithmetic, to, to become a, an adequate person that once they graduate, they can go either go to college or go out into society and get a job and learn how to exist and how to live. And that's not what is happening. Parents have fear now of sending their kids to school, not knowing what's happening, what they're being taught, what they're being told. It seems more and more there, there's no subjects of basic education. Everything has is somebody's own opinion, somebody's ideas, pushing an agenda, pushing a topic that has no business being within in our schools. Well, guys, I appreciate you taking the time. And you know, if anything comes up, please feel free to let me know, and um, I'd be glad to put you back on the program. We appreciate you very much. Thank you, David. Appreciate the time. Well, that'll do it for today's installment of Morning Reload. Have a good week, and we'll talk again on Wednesday, where I've got yet another undercover report. From the base of the Bighorns, in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming, I'm David Iverson, and this is the one and only Cowboy State Politics.